0: Hey, Mama, this is Motherhood Grace, a podcast dedicated to taking care of modern homemakers. I'm your host, Kate Markovitz, a mom ready to rewrite the motherhood narrative with you. I'm fed up with conventional mom culture. You know, the one where the mom is the exhausted martyr of the family and only values her worth by her busyness or how much she sacrifices in the name of motherhood. It's time to reclaim our motherhood and our lives. We are women worthy of feeling and being confident, energetic, and joyful. I'm here to provide tools, resources, and the community you need to thrive in your motherhood. You've totally got this. Hello, beautiful friend. I hope you're having a great day. Welcome back to another episode of the Motherhood Grace podcast. This is the final episode of this toxic mom series that I have been sharing with you and this is the one I am most excited about if I'm being honest. This is the part of this series that just flowed from my fingertips. So I sat down to write the blog post and so much came out of me which just means I'm very passionate about it and I have a lot to say about it and hopefully a lot to help you with this whole concept of the toxic mom culture. So if you have not been tuning in, this is the final part of a three-part series. Episode 20 dove into what are toxic mom cultures, really defining and going through some different examples of them. Episode 21 was in justification of or in defense of and going through some of the different reasons people will use as defenses to kind of say, well, this isn't toxic mom culture because." you are being judgmental. And we we broke down some of these different justifications, which I thought was a really interesting conversation. And then this last part of the series is how I pulled myself out of toxic mom culture. And I'm gonna give action steps so that you can too. So I'm gonna go through three different steps that I used or that kind of naturally happened in my life that really helped me break out of this almost cult-like mindset of toxic mom culture. And then I'm going to share five action steps that I took and that you can take based on what I learned to really start to define my own space of motherhood and how I wanted to think about the whole experience. So this is going to be a really actionable podcast episode once I get through this initial story. So how did I break out of toxic mom culture? First, I have to start by saying that abandoning a mindset or an identity or a cult, if you ever got wrapped up in a cult, is so incredibly challenging because you identify with it so much that it really becomes like the glasses you see the world through. And so it takes a ton of your own self-awareness and reflection and really quite frankly courage to step out of this identity that just becomes so ingrained in who you are and for better or worse these are skills that i have i have been able to pull myself out of several different communities i i think i'll say that i really identified with in different parts of my life and I believe this is the reason why i was able to reflect on my postpartum period and really go on to then write and publish a book about it because i am just very self-reflective and i also hate this feeling of being manipulated or controlled by someone else so one positive for me through the pandemic was i had more time on my hands to just reflect and think and I saw so much manipulation happening through the media, throughout the pandemic, through several, not even just about like how we handled the pandemic, but so many of the other topics that became to the forefront throughout that time period. And it really caused me to pause and think about the areas in my life that I was allowing others to to cloud taints or even just influence my own thoughts and judgment, how easily I was allowing other people or accounts to put words in my mouth about how I should be feeling about a lot of these topics. And I realized that I felt duped in this motherhood space. Um, The crazy part is it just becomes so subconscious and ingrained that I think myself and other moms don't even realize how we are contributing. And what we are doing and what we are saying that perpetuates a cycle to other mothers because we are all products and contributors to this toxic mom culture, whether we really want to be or not. Um, and we really have no idea until we do take a step back and have a third party conversation about it or maybe a bird's eye view of what's going on. And I think that's why one of the reasons why I really wanted to talk this out through the podcast because you have to you have to start giving yourself a language to a lot of this to be able to break free from it. So let me just go through how I broke through the three steps. So step one was really having exposure and then an awakening. So. I'm not sure exactly how this happened. It may have just been a natural progression that I began discovering mothers and accounts who were not perpetuating the ideals of toxic mom culture. They were in rather like a neutral or a um, just kind of showing up authentically kind of way. And I think I just noticed that those those accounts and those moms felt different than everything else I was seeing. And at first I felt myself maybe rolling my eyes or shaking my head saying, but you don't even know, right? Like you don't have toddlers anymore. You don't have this and that, like going through some of those excuses and those defenses that we talked about in episode 21. And it's not that they were trying to show up perfectly or make this look like everything is like rainbows. It was just, it was just the defense mechanism on my own accord where I slowly started to wake up to the idea that motherhood didn't mean I had to be a hot mess. It didn't mean I had to cook beautiful, perfect meals. It didn't mean I had to have the best, most extravagant birthday parties. I didn't have to turn into a moderate martyr. I didn't have to resent my husband. These were things I was seeing through accounts, like it didn't have to be this way. And so slowly these seeing these types of motherhood, gave me a hope for something more for myself and for my journey of motherhood as a whole. And I really was noticing the contrast between mother accounts or even mothers that I know in my personal life who were contributing to this toxic mom culture and then those who were simply enjoying their life and sharing it. And motherhood was part of part of the process. And it began to feel like a breath of fresh air to see this conscience like i was craving the feeling that i had when i would see these moms interacting with their kids or just showing like maybe different traditions that they have in their home and really being exposed to that different story of motherhood was what allowed me to consider something different and was really the start of my awakening so step two for me was actually to gain knowledge. Now, this step is going to be different, perhaps for those of you that are listening, but it's what I tend to do when I discover something I'm curious about is I really seek education about it. I like to take courses. For example, when I went through planning a wedding, I thought it was really fun and I loved it. I was like, maybe I want to be a wedding planner. So I took a course about wedding planning and then Um, I've always loved makeup and skincare. And so after having Charlotte, at one point, I took a course, a, a local course about how to, you know, makeup basics and skincare basics, just so I could learn more. So in May, 2021, I enrolled in a motherhood studies practitioner course taught by Dr. Sophie Brock. She's actually out of Australia. And this course was just totally transformative for me. It provided Language and context for what I was feeling and what I was seeing around me So my my hunches about everything were correct. I just didn't know how to explain it and I understood How moms got to this toxic place based on the history that I learned in that course, which Made me realize that this was a created system. This is not the truth of motherhood. It's not how motherhood has always been, and that I could choose differently. So, what it really did was take that awakening to a whole new level, and I became more optimistic that I could pull myself out of this feeling that I was having. And so, the last step that really helped me through this process was taking ownership. So slowly over time, I began to choose differently. I, you know, change takes a lot of time, a lot of practice, a lot of intention. It's it's challenging. That's why we end up staying where we are, even if we view that as stuck because it's familiar. It's, it's hard to break out. It, it takes a lot of work, but it's also possible and it's, from my opinion, very worth it. So, these were some of the action steps that I took to get myself out of here, out of the toxic mom cultures. And these are the action steps I really believe that you should as well. And as I was writing these, I realized there there was an order to them because you really have to go through some of these things first before you can move on to the next one or be clear about what you want for the next one. So maybe I should just dive into them. I think that'll help a little bit. So here are the action steps. Step one is to quiet the noise. So, this step is just crucially important. You have to remove the inputs for a while in order to hear yourself. So, what are the inputs? It could be social media, or it is social media, it's news, it's articles, it's friends, it could be, you know, parents, the people around you who you talk to frequently. And I would suggest a minimum of a month to just remove all of these opinions and advice and the things that make you feel like, am I not doing this right? I actually have a free guide and I hope podcast episode all about phone peace. Um, So if you check out the the show notes for this episode, you can find a link to those. So if you need help with that and quieting like the digital noise, I can help you with that. Um, But it, it may mean, you know, not hanging out with some mom friends for a while and like not staying after to chat at the pickup lines or running errands during practice instead of sitting there and ruminating about everything that's going on. Maybe rearranging phone dates with friends just so you have a month to really just be quiet. (laughs) So you just have to get off the grid. Um, Give yourself time to breathe and allow all the toxic circuits to basically stop. And you'll probably hear them anyway because your your brain is trained to think that way right now. And it's going to be hard. You're going to feel shame or guilt or blame or FOMO. But if you're off social media, you shouldn't really be seeing all these things like, like, oh, I wish I could have been at that girl's dinner, right? Because you're not really seeing it. You're just you're just living your daily life without everything else going on. But expect it to be part of the process. Expect guilt and blame and FOMO and all these things are going to pop in your head um, because over the course of time you'll notice start to shift. So it will shift, it's just going to pop up first. And some other resources I give for this type of topic, especially if you're looking at how to get off your phone. And the reason I kind of harp on the phone so much is because I see that's just access to so many different opinions all at once. And it's so easy if you click on one, then guess what? gets fed to you through the algorithm. You're gonna get more things like it. So um, 10 arguments for deleting your social media accounts right now is a book by Jaron Lanier that used to work in tech that I found to be an interesting read. Um, You can also read How to Break Up With Your Phone by Katherine Price. So those are two different books about this topic. So first, you're going to quiet the noise. Second, you're going to redefine your identity. And you can do this during your break. So during your break, you're going to figure out who am I? And let's just think about the hot mess mom thing. Are you really a hot mess or are you falling into this narrative? You know, maybe you have a young infant and so you're just adjusting to the schedule of having so many kids and personalities and people to get out the door that right now you're still trying to figure out your system. You're not a mess. You're figuring it out. Identity matters like so, 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 so much. I realized the value of identity when I read a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And what was spoken about in that book is that when you try to change a habit, it's important to first have the identity of a person who would do said habit. So obviously this is talking about habits, but I believe it can really overlap to this conversation as well. So for example, if you wanted to go for a walk after lunch every day, the only way you're gonna make that habit and stick to it is if you identify as a person who is healthy. You identify as a healthy person because a healthy person would have the habit of going for a walk after lunch And so if you identify as a healthy person, you're going to want to make that decision that's going to make that habit easier to start and stick with. So in order to make choices towards who you want to be, you have to identify yourself as such. So if you're identifying as a hot mess mom, How much harder is it going to be to be proactive? You know, maybe pack and set the bags out the night before instead of procrastinating and running around at the last minute. A hot mess, a mom that identifies as a hot mess is going to wait, right? She's always going to put things off and procrastinate. It would be against her identity to allow herself to do it early, to actually take the initiative. So if you're identifying as someone who, is a hot mess, you know, maybe you set it out, but you don't pack everything up or, you know, I don't know the exact examples here, that's that's just one. But let's even talk about one for like the martyr mom. So a mom who identifies as being in service of others. This mom's going to struggle with taking necessary time for herself because she's going to see others' needs as always being more important than her own because she identifies as being a helper or a server first. So she's always going to choose to be the martyr because that's how she identifies. I hope this is making sense for you. So perhaps instead of asking the question, who am I, maybe we need to ask the question, who do I want to be? Who do I want to be? So think of a mom that you look up to and you admire. Like whoever is popping into your head when I say that, who is a mom that you look up to and you admire? And let's describe her. Think about what is unique about her. What does she do well? And who is she most days? And I'm very specifically asking you to think of someone specific in your life because I would ask you to describe a fictitious mom, but then we fall into this trap of creating a perfect mom or the ideal mom. And we forget that a perfect mom does not exist and every mom, every real life human has flaws and has things that they're working on and pitfalls and bad days. So what does the version of yourself do on those bad days or after those bad days because those bad days need to be expected not, and we need to accept that they will be there. So what does the version of yourself that has these bad days, what does she do after she has them? And that's the list that you want to use to redefine your identity, okay? So thinking about who do I want to be, who is a mom that embodies a lot of who you want to be, thinking about all those things that you could list. And then once you have your list, you can go through and you can circle and just choose one descriptor of what to work on next. Just one, because it is one step forward at a time. You can have many choices on that list of things where you're like, I don't do any of these right now. And that's Great, because you have a lot that you can choose from and a lot that you can work on, but we're going to just work on one. One choice is going to get you from being stuck, is going to get you towards the identity of the woman that you want to be. And if you need to write it down on a post-it or make a fun picture, you know, bonus points if you do that with your kid, because you can have some art time together and you can hang it somewhere. So, an example for myself that I'm currently working on is I want to have a strong sense of identity outside of mom. I feel like I have really figured out who I am as a mom and how I want to show up. And I have been practicing and working on that for over five years now. But I have started to lose a sense of who I am outside of mom. And so, Now that I feel I am a little more habitual in who I am as a mom, I want to work on who I am outside of mom. Okay, so step one, we had to quiet the noise. Step two is to redefine your identity. And step three is to answer the question, what do I love? So it's hard to enjoy your life if you're doing activities you don't love, right? and if we think about toxic mom cultures a lot of the cultures especially the perfect mom the martyr mom it's it's giving over to this idea of i can't do anything that i love the hot mess mom probably isn't you know pulled together enough to do things that she loves the wine culture mom is you know drinking wine all the time and not saying that you can't enjoy a glass of wine or hanging out with girlfriends, but it's the coping mechanism. It's not the enjoyment of it. So we want to we take the time to think about what do I love? And I realized when I had a toddler and we were trying to figure out what lit her up, we were signing up for things that I thought she would like and what would happen is she would be excited to go to them for maybe the first week or two because it's new and as she got older she wasn't even necessarily excited to go to them even the first week or two but she would drag her feet to get ready slow poke her way to the car she would get an attitude the closer we got to those days of when we had these activities and like i had to pause and say she is four there is no reason to hate going somewhere at the age of four, like, what am I doing to this poor child? Um, and then I started thinking, is there really ever an age where it's acceptable that, to go places that you just really do not want to go? And I get it. A lot of people hate their job and it's necessary to have a job, but is there another available job that you might be interested in? Right? I digress about all this, but let's just go back to the main topic here. What do you love? And if you have a hard time thinking about what you love right now, what did you love as a kid? My husband and I were chatting the other day and he said he cannot believe that people do not have hobbies. Now, my husband loves his hobbies. He's he's just amazed that people can't name a single thing that they're passionate about when they're asked because he can name three to four things he literally wakes up excited to go and do every day. And and I would say he lives a pretty happy, healthy life. Now, it also is very different. I think being the mom versus the the man and our situation is also unique. He, he works and he travels a lot for work and I'm at home. But when I was newly postpartum and I had a tiny colicky baby that took up a lot of my time, I really started to feel deprived and alone, especially the longer- that this continued on. But what pulled me out of it was actually doing a simple makeup routine every morning. And I know it sounds so far-fetched to give so much credit to like a five-minute makeup routine, but it's what helped me to start to feel more like myself and then start to make more choices for me. It was just, like you have to find the spark, the catalyst that's going to help you feel good and and make the next choice to to take care of yourself or to do something that you love. So doing makeup has always been something that I enjoyed. It reminds me of times with my mom when we would do makeovers when I was a kid and uh, forcing my younger sister to let me stab her with mascara once. Um, sorry, Paige, but practice paid off. I got, I got a lot better. But when things feel hard or I'm going through a rough season, I know I need a catalyst to start to feel like myself again. And so what I do is I go back to making sure I do my five-minute makeup routine every morning. I find and start to carve it into my routine again. I get back to that habit because it reminds me that I do matter, my needs matter, that it doesn't have to be long or extravagant to feel better about myself. I can just take five minutes to feel a little put together. And then... The next choice that comes down the road is one that I make that, you know, a person who takes care of herself would make. It's it's what inspires me. So you have to figure out what is it? Just a small little thing that's going to be that catalyst for you. And think about other things that you love. You know, I love to read, I love to be a student, I love doing art, playing instruments, being outside, going for walks and hikes and listening to calm music, seeing friends. These are all things that if I'm not doing them, I'm not living a life that I love. And really, what fun is that? Why am I creating a life that I don't love? Like, why would I sit here and be excited about waking up in the morning when I'm not doing anything that I really love? And of course, there are seasons. There are seasons where you have a small baby that requires that much from you. That That's a very real thing. But if you're out of that season, then it's time to bring you back into your life again. And additionally... I want to add here that I'm not speaking around this concept of like trendy narcissism that seems to be going around where if you put yourself first, you'll be happy because I don't necessarily believe that either. I've heard the phrases that, quote unquote, those obsessed with self are always up and down. And I, I think that's really true. If you're only ever thinking about yourself and how you feel and putting yourself at the top of the list, like you're going to be up and down all the time. I look around my life and I, I see that that's pretty spot on. But what I am saying is that you have to make sure you include things in your life that you love, um, and you can share those things with your kids. Like I I love to do art, so my daughter and I do art together. Um, you know, I like to cook. My daughter does not like to cook. You know, but sometimes we make a concession and we do it together. Um, So just build those in and make those part of your life and routine if you need a recommendation here You're not even sure what you really love a book that I would recommend is called find your unicorn space by Eve Rodsky I think she does a nice job of Talking through different examples and giving stories and steps to get get you to that place all right step four is to choose the voices So this is purposely further down the list because you have to quiet the noise and discover who you are and what you love before you start to allow other voices back into your life again. And I mean this in just so many ways. I don't just mean like speaking voices of people you see in person. So i'm not sure if you've ever heard this belief that's actually derived from the law of averages but motivational speaker jim Rohn said you become like the five people you spend the most time with now i i have definitely seen this play out as well and in different phases of my life when i've been around different people i can see how my personality has even kind of changed so who are the i i extend this a bit further i think about What about the five voices that you just hear the most? Is that really what we're saying here? So what I consider towards this law of averages are the media sources that are also around you because I know for myself personally, I have... A lot of people that I'm really close with, but I don't necessarily talk to them every single day, but there are either social media sites or news sources that I that I read a little bit more frequently. And so are those considered in my law of averages? I think yes, because I definitely notice, let's say I had some accounts that I was following that I was like looking at a little more religiously through the pandemic that were angry, that were angry about everything. And I found myself getting feeling angry like all the time. And as soon as I muted and hid those accounts, that anger started to subside a lot. So I really do believe that this, this plays in though I have no research. I did not look into this. This is purely a Kate I'm thinking this is true type of thing. So you wanna think about like, you know, podcasts you listen to, news outlets, written articles, written books, um, you know, of course, your friends, your family and those people who you speak to as well. And what's cool about this or at least empowering, I think, is that you can use this concept to your advantage. That's what I did after my little break in my hiatus i made conscious effort to only add in positive and uplifting and encouraging voices surrounding motherhood since that's what we're talking about here but you can do this with any topic so i deleted any and all accounts that did not speak about motherhood the way that i my newly identifying self wanted to and i purposely sought out accounts that did I started to distance myself from friends who were negative or self-obsessed and because they were still absorbed in that toxic mom culture and I just couldn't be anymore. Not because I don't love them, but I needed to protect myself. I needed to protect my family and really my life. So here's an interesting observation though. It's so easy to slip and to fall into that groupthink mindset when you're all together. And – at least for myself, to know what I know people want me to say. So sometimes even despite all of this work that I have done, when I'm with a group of women who are complaining, it's so easy to get sucked in or so easy to be like, yes, I know exactly what they're talking about. And I have to really say the boundary out loud sometimes, especially when I'm with them, like – I know exactly what you're saying. I'm just trying really hard not to focus on the hardships anymore and just remember that there are seasons and moments, but I just don't want to keep harping on them because I know they will pass. And ultimately, I think that's what a lot of people do when they try to tell you like it's a phase and they kind of dismiss you. And and that's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm saying like I know that this is a hard season right now and I also know that it'll get by and I don't need to act like this is This is the end because it doesn't have to be. You can also draw a boundary around like the intensive mothering and the perfect mothering narrative. Like I'm no longer doing extravagant holidays or extravagant birthdays. We're going to enjoy our time together. I'm not going to go through all the fuss. We're going to make this a little more simple. You have to be really intentional very, very intentional about the voices that you let back in because it is it is so easy to just spiral right back to where you were. This is, This is one they have to keep coming back to. And when I find myself feeling like I'm getting really negative or sucked into this again, I go back to step one of quieting the noise. I go through these steps over and over again. And that's how I got myself out as well is just repeating this process over and over and over again. Okay, a last action step here is to decide how you feel. And really embodying this idea has transformed how I live my life because I keep reminding myself that only I get to decide how I feel. No one else gets to do this for me unless I allow it. And when I heard this piece of advice way back when, I remember feeling a bit like gaslit and slowly realized over time that i was allowing other people's behaviors and emotions to dictate how i felt about the day or how i was going through my day or maybe how you know the interaction was going to go i handed over a lot of control to others that i that wasn't theirs to have now i am definitely an empath i'm also a reflector if you are versed in human design which it's really challenging, especially for this step. I cannot help but notice and feel how others are feeling around me. Like it's, it is extremely hard to separate them. But taking on that emotion does not have to be my reality. It was a skill I had to learn to separate how someone was feeling and acknowledging it and then taking it on as my own feeling. So... I had to, in order to do this, I think this was the key point, is that I had to completely believe and behave in a way that was not responsible for other people's emotions and reactions and also only being responsible for my own emotions and reactions. So I had to start living my life where I wasn't just constantly thinking about how is this going to make other people feel or how are they going to respond to my reaction and just only think about my own emotions and reactions. That is all that I am truly responsible for. And that took a lot of practice, especially around a toddler that can be really up and down. And I hope that this is a switch that you can turn on and off. It just, it really wasn't for me, being honest. It took a lot of practice, a lot of reminding myself what was my responsibility. But good news is I do have a strategy here that helps me a lot, and I hope it helps you. I learned this from Dr. Kennedy Becky Kennedy from Good Inside, which is – she is my favorite parenting expert, most actionable. There's a lot of other parenting experts that say things that I resonate with, but she is the only one that I feel like gives me actual, tangible steps towards getting to the parent I want to be. She really transformed probably a lot of being able to get out of toxic mom culture in and of itself. So what she taught was the division of responsibilities – And she suggests imagining a tennis court with a glass wall in between the two sides. So it's almost like you have uh, two different containers. And you can divide the responsibilities and feelings onto the proper side of the court. So you can visually understand what is your responsibility and what is their responsibility. And you do not take on the responsibilities and feelings that are theirs. Okay? So you know if you if you think about an example of setting a boundary cuz that's really what we're talking about here too is like learning how to set boundaries which i know is a difficult skill for so many of us and also probably the best thing or best skill i have gained by becoming a mother but i really believe that for an order for my child to trust me i had to i had to learn that i was not responsible for the, Her reaction to the boundary that I set, that fell on her side of the court. So if we're thinking about this like a boundary – is my side, that is my responsibility. And then her reaction to that boundary is on her side. And I mean, this is true of your parents, this is true of, you know, friends in your life. You are allowed to set your boundary, that is on your side. Their reaction is on their side. How they choose to respond to it is not your responsibility. And this is also true of getting out of the toxic cycle. You're setting a boundary and saying, this is no longer serving me. I am not – I'm no longer part of this – toxic culture here so that's on your side of the court and there may be others on the other side that are saying well wait does that mean that you think i need to get out of this like you're no longer going to sit here and ruminate with me and right they're going to try to pull you back in but leave that over their reaction on their side of the court you may feel pressure like doing what everything else is to stay on your side of the court stay behind your boundary remind yourself that i'm doing this to better myself and my motherhood experience and my family. So it'll still happen, you'll still, that glass will go down and you might bounce back and forth, but you can remind yourself to put that boundary back up and remind yourself that I wasn't happy over there. There's a reason that I sought this change. There was a reason I wanted to redefine who I am. I needed out of it and it's going to be hard and there will be moments where I'll slide back But I can also be strong. I can come back. I can put the boundary back up and remind myself each time you do it, it's going to get a little bit easier and you'll start to see that it is worth it. You'll start to pull yourself out of that. Okay. So recommendations here really with like this last step of you get to choose how you want to feel in setting boundaries. Um, There's a book called Set Boundaries, Find Peace by Nidra Tawab, and then – oh. I'm so bad at pronouncing the name, but um, it's Dear Ijila Way, I think is how you say it, or a Feminist Manifesto and 15 Suggestions um, by Chimandra Adichie. She's like one of my favorite authors. She's my favorite speaker on the topic of feminism, and I'll have to do a podcast about what I believe the definition of feminism is and how it is – like so very different than what I think a lot of us picture in our minds when we hear the word feminism. Okay, I'm getting on a totally different tangent here, but I recommend this book here because I think she has so many wonderful suggestions for motherhood that are really strong and boundary driven. It's The shortest read, it took me like 20 minutes to read, but I refer back to it all the time. I pick it up and reread it all the time. And the more, like it's that idea of those five voices in your head, like the more and more I read it, the more and more I embody it. Okay, so here are three key takeaways that I think should be able to help you through this process. Number one, this is your awakening. All right. By following and reading and listening to this series, allow yourself to step into a third-party view and take inventory of what is happening around you. Quiet the noise so that you can hear yourself and your heart more clearly instead of everybody else's voices. Don't listen to what you want others want you to say and think. try to find yourself back to you, back to your normal. Number two key takeaway is to remember that you are in charge. You get to choose who and what is in your life. And you get to choose how you feel every day. And if you didn't today, remind yourself that that's okay. It makes sense. You are still learning this skill. You're still growing and you'll get another chance tomorrow. And then step or key takeaway three is to remember that you can be strong and set your boundaries and acknowledge that you no longer want to live in this toxic mom culture place that you were and you're ready to do the work and to live another way. And that's great. And it will take a lot of courage, but you are strong and you can set your boundaries. So that is the end of the toxic mom culture series. I'm I'm just really glad to be able to bring this topic to light. And if you ever want to share anything about this topic, please reach out to me either on Instagram at motherhood grace or you can email me hello at motherhoodgrace.com. I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll be back next week with another episode. How are you supported, Mama? And how are you supporting others? I created this podcast and physical goods through my Motherhood Grace shop to provide uplifting and positive resources for moms and women. You can grab my affordable products like a personalized affirmation mug or the postpartum grace guide for yourself or friends on motherhoodgrace.com or Etsy. Over half of the orders of my book, The Postpartum Grace Guide, are given as gifts, and it warms my heart to see moms supporting other moms. Get free shipping on orders over $35 automatically. You can shop on Etsy or motherhoodgrace.com. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for supporting my business.